everyone, welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 19th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of September 30th, 2018, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week, and I'm excited to take this in a much different direction than I think much of your working preacher or much of your discussions and commentaries is going to take this reading. But I'm really excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast. But before we do, I have to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher because they help me give me some directions between their commentaries, their discussions, and their Sermon Brainwaves podcast. If you haven't checked it out, I'd highly recommend at least taking a venture over there and seeing what they have to offer. But before we get into this week, we have to respond to the Twitter questions that we had last week. And our last week's Twitter question was, how welcoming are you and how good are you at welcoming the community at large? And for me... I kind of talked about this last week that with me adjusting to this new position up in Bemidji, I've been getting a full dose of that as I'm trying to wrap my head around all these new names, all these new people, and trying to figure out what am I doing as a youth minister, and trying to also do that same vibe. And I guess I wouldn't be the best person to ask on that and how I've been doing with that. I've been trying to do my best at being welcoming and trying to figure out what I'm doing. But it's one of those things I think it's good to be able to self-evaluate and start thinking about that critically. And it's one of those things I th- it's so difficult with welcoming is I think it takes some time to help you understand how you're coming off to other people. And especially as being part of the light and being part of the people of God, we're supposed to be... I would argue, a welcoming people, trying to welcome in like Jesus did last week, picking up that child and placing it on his knee. And it's funny that we get to that point because that's where the gospel picks up this week. We're still in Mark chapter 9, but now we're in verses 38 through 50. And this gets to be kind of a weird, dark text. John kind of responds where he sees somebody who was casting out a demon in his name. And Jesus kind of responds with that because he used my name, he's going to speak well of me and continue to do the work of me because you can't speak against me. And then he gets into the If your foot's causing you to stumble, that you cut it off. If your hand's causing you to sin, you cut that off. And I think there's some a a lot of weird metaphors that I think it's a very difficult text to just conceptualize in our head. Even getting down to the verse 50 here, salt is good, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. Salt can't lose its saltiness. And so there's kind of a weird oxymoron kind of going on there. But I think there's an idea and a theme, if you stick with me here, that we can bring out of this that's still really useful. The first reading this week is out of Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 6, 10 through 16, and 24 through 29. And this is where we have the Israelites and they've been just getting manna. And they go and complain to Moses about, we need some meat. Which, coming from an American, I can understand people saying that. So you have these people kind of complaining about this. Moses gets together a group of elders and 
God comes and welcomes them in in this moment and kind of gives them insight and guidance on what's going on. And it ends with that there was two chosen ones who then continued to prophesy in the enchantment, in the group. And so it's kind of this weird story. But again, us complaining about what we have. In fact, one of the lines I really found interesting, again, the Israelites drawing back to their roots in Egypt. Remember the fish we used to eat in Egypt for nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there's nothing at all but manna to look at. Verses 5 and 6, which I just find kind of interesting, that mix match of vegetables along with the fish, cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. Not what I would typically associate all together, but I digress. The alternative first reading is from Esther, chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, 9 and 10, and then we skip to chapter 9, verses 20 through 22. With this being the semi-continuous reading, it's the only time in the three-year cycle that we get to cover Esther. So if you feel like if this is your chance to preach Esther, and there's so many cool things with Esther, the book of Esther never uses the word God throughout the whole book. You have a very strong woman character, which we don't get that often, and how she ends up being this hero where she is in Persia. She, The king is looking for a new wife, has this beauty contest, essentially. Esther gets risen up. Haman comes to the king, says, hey, we should just get rid of the Jewish people because they didn't like the Jewish people. And the king's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Esther then, with the encouragement from her cousin Malachi, because of the position that she's in, continues to kind of go through these obstacles of one, going into the presence of the king, which was a major no-no, and invited into a banquet, and then eventually gets to the point where she admits to him that she is Jewish, that she is Jewish and that she should save her people. And the king not only, one, arrests and takes care of Haman, two, gives all the property and wealth and riches from Haman to Esther and her cousin Malachi, and three, then ends up writing a bill, a law, to help protect the Jewish people. So it's a really cool book. If you have the time, if you're going through this, if you've been going through Solomon, or if you want to take a, a sidetrack, I think this is a great week to do that and talk about Esther. What a great book that we don't get to discuss that often. The psalm this week is Psalm 19, verses 7 through 14. And it's getting this, again, this idea of being content with what we have, that The Lord, if we're aligning with what the Lord has, and it's coming right from verse 7, right at the beginning, how the law of the Lord is perfect and that he has this guidance for us to have to make our life easier, that we cause the problems, not God. The second reading then comes out of James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, and this is the last week of James. So again, another good book if you haven't been able to talk about it, but again, talking about how... I think James ties this up really well of working together as a community and working together that we can sing together, we can pray together, that we are all in this together. So how do all these readings 
work together and, and kind of tie a bow in it. And I was kind of thinking about this and trying to contemplate how do I bring these all together. But I think there is a theme here. So we have in the numbers reading complaining about what they had. We have Esther being put in a position that she wasn't comfortable with. We have the psalm talking about how the way of the Lord is the true way and that he is not doing this haphazardly. You have James then discussing that if we're working together that we're able to do this. And then we have this also if from Jesus, if there is something that is distracting you along the way to cut it off. And so when I was thinking about this and contemplating this, doesn't this sound like when you try doing something and you accidentally end up solving some other problem that you either one, didn't know you had, or two, it wasn't the problem you were intending to solve. And the cool thing is, is when I did a very, very quick Google search, there is plenty of inventions that we have had throughout history where that has been the case, where we are designing something to be something. And instead of being that, instead of getting just purely focused on that, we end up finding something new that is of use. So let me give you some examples and then we'll talk about kind of how this works with our faith life. So let's start with an easy one, Silly Putty. You've probably heard of the amazing kid's toy of Silly Putty. The original reason on why Silly Putty was created was to be a synthetic rubber. Slinky, I found this one actually quite interesting. We know this as the kid's toy, but it was originally developed by a naval engineer to help stabilize equipment while they were on ships, while things were stormy. Kotex, which feminine hygiene product, originally developed as like swabs for World War II. Prokecta, which is um, helps with male pattern baldness, was originally a drug for benign enlargement of the prostate. Play-Doh, we've heard of Play-Doh before, originally a wallpaper cleaner. Listerine, originally used as a surgical antiseptic and a cure for gonorrhea. Chewing gum, another attempt at a synthetic rubber. Mauve, the shade, the color purple mauve, which was designed to help be a medical cure for malaria. And it turned color purple instead. Viagra, which was originally a heart medication. Pacemaker was to help a circuit to record fast heart sounds. Instead, it helps us be able to stay alive. Super glue, which was made in an attempt to make clear plastic gun sights for World War II. LSD was designed to help women during childbirth, to help relieve pain. Kleenex was originally a facial tissue for removing cold cream. Coca-Cola, a morphine addiction alternative. Cellophane is another one that was used to help. They just wanted to repel liquids and hopefully that you could put it on the clothing. Stainless steel was trying to, did it through fission, but was trying to create weapons. Sticky notes, which are actually from the state of Minnesota, which was supposed to be an 
industrial adhesive, especially for building planes, and it turns into sticky notes. Teflon was discovered during experiments with refrigerants. Sweet and low or artificial sweetener was trying to find an alternative for coal tar. Or I've never heard of this one, Zout, which is kind of like Shout or one of these spray-on fabric cleaners, was originally used by doctors and nurses to remove blood stains. And the other one that I found that I know of that's really interesting is bubble wrap. Bubble wrap was invented in the 1950s actually as a type of wallpaper. So when we're thinking about this and contemplating like what's going on, I think it's kind of flipping Jesus's message here and what he's talking about kind of on its head. If we're having something that's causing us to sin, to cut it off. And I would argue that when he's talking about this, he's maybe saying, quit looking at it that way. Try something different. Look to a different site. And I think it ties in really well with the readings that we have. Like the manna from heaven, they complained they ended up getting quail out of it. But they were, they were so focused on what they didn't have, they didn't realize what they did have. The alternative first reading with Esther. Esther being scared that she has been put into this position that so many Jews wish that they had been able to be in and that she's female in a time where, sadly, females were not looked at as the same level as males and has to then go and do something courageous, courageously go where no one else could to be able to bring a message to the king that no one else could except her. Getting into this idea that's brought in in the psalm that God has an idea. He has a motive. He is trying to be pure with us and trying to guide us and trying to move us in that. And I think James then kind of ties it up with a beautiful little bow here at the end, talking about how in this we can work together, that we can come together and work through these different things. If you're suffering, then we should pray. If you're cheerful, then we sing songs of praise. We work together. It's this idea that we keep coming back to and Mark, working together. I can just think of what it was like, like with sticky notes. You're trying to create an industrial strength adhesive, and you find that you have made an adhesive that you can just peel off of each other, and it doesn't, I mean, it barely sticks to stuff. Can you imagine what that was like when that happened? The disappointment. Yes, you learn something from it, and that's what a lot of great science is, is figuring out and learning from your mistakes, but it's still difficult. It's still difficult when you put a lot of time and work and effort into anything, and it doesn't turn out the way you expect. But I think when we're looking at these great inventions and different things that we have found through mistakes, and I'll attach some other stories down below Brandy's another one. Lysol actually has a very interesting kind of disturbing history. Nalgene Company, the one who makes the really strong water bottles. There's a lot of inventions and things that we think of now that have interesting pasts. And that's where, when I'm looking at this, if it's causing you to sin, it's maybe because you're looking at it wrong. God has ideas and stuff. And and that's the hard thing at times in science is understanding when to let something go 
And when do we try working with what we have? And when do we start fresh? You know, when do we move on to something different? When do we try reworking the formula? When do we just, okay, we have this weird thing. It has some weird properties. What can we do with it? And that's what I think is so fascinating. We're looking at this. And I think as we look at these readings, we can easily see the human experience in this. That we would be like the Israelites. Oh, we, we messed up. We have this sticky note thing that's not a strong adhesive. What are we ever going to do? We need to start all over again. And it's been one of 3M's best inventions and one of the most profitable for 3M. But that's where, if you think about it, look even into that numbers reading. You have where they're bringing people together so that God can talk. Again, it gets back to this idea and this concept that we continue to hear. And I think in a world where we're in, and especially in the science community that we're in, we have to stop. We have to listen. These answers aren't just given to us quick and easy. They take time for us to grapple with. I think that's a hard thing for us to to deal with. We're in a world now where we have pocket computers in our pocket. We want answers now. We need things now. And I need to get this and this and this and this and this done now. And we don't get the time of contemplation and, and thought. And it's so valuable. When I look at my life, the jobs and stuff where I have thrived is the jobs where I have the time to actually sit and think, actually contemplate and really process things. Because it's in that processing, you get to learn in a way how much you do enjoy what you're doing. Because you're thinking critically, you're able to feel like you're moving the needle compared to if you're just running to catch yourself all the time. At least for me, it makes me feel like I have to go into autopilot because of how fast I'm trying to run. And when I'm going to autopilot, at the end of the day, it just felt like work. I didn't feel like I did a lot of brain solving and contemplating and trying to solve problems. I was just trying to go as fast as I can and do the job, but it wasn't necessarily me there. There's so much of life that is so precious, and this life is so precious, we can't allow ourselves to just go on autopilot. And that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother day, and it's one of the things that, for me, as I as we're looking at worship, I think it's one of the things that we have to contemplate and make sure that we think about is making sure that we don't just get to autopilot with service. Because the moment that we're in autopilot and we don't have an understanding and a deeper meaning of what we're doing, we're not thinking and then it's we're not connecting, not only with God, but we're not connecting with the people around us. And suddenly it's not worship anymore. It's you pretty much doing a solitary prayer that you have memorized. And at times that's good, but I would say a consistent diet of that for most people is not necessarily the best thing. But... I would say as we're looking at these passages, we have to be able to take what we're given and understand that God has a purpose of what he is doing. He's putting us in these opportunities. He's putting, he's guiding us. We just have to listen. He was guiding the Israelites. They complained. And so God then let me talk to the elders so I can provide some guidance into the situation. We've talked about Esther and how the guidance that she needed, the push from her cousin to 
do what needing to be done. And I th- again, it gets back to that James reading and talking about working together as a group. And Jesus is, remember, he's saying this with a child on his leg, and he's saying this to his disciples. I would argue part of the reason that he is saying this to his disciples is so that they can help each other win this. Bring that fresh perspective, bring that fresh idea, and maybe what you're trying as ministry for this would work better in ministry of something else. So, I think our Twitter question of the week this week is, have you ever had a situation where you were trying to do something for one thing, but it ended up being a solution for something else? Did you have a problem that you had a solution, you tried making a solution for, but it ended up being a solution for another problem? That's a tough one, and I think that's one for me I'm going to have to think about a lot this week. I know for me, with just the life where I've gotten over the last almost 10 months with this podcast, it's been a big evolution on what I originally saw this in a way doing and didn't realize the benefits it was going to bring to myself and the benefits that I'm hope that it's bringing to you additionally. So I think there's a lot of things in life when we actually sit down and contemplate that, that they're there. But again, we have to listen, we have to contemplate, we have to trust that God is in these moments. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.